saving the world starts with you. And you don't have to be a superhero to get it done. All you need to do is be more sustainable and make your habits more environmentally friendly. Sustainable U is here today to show you how. Sustainable U is underwritten in part by Terhune Orchards, 330 Cold Soil Road, Lawrence, 200 acres of locally grown Jersey fresh fruits and vegetables with country style service. Rye University, Office of Sustainable Management and Bronx Go Green, Team Toyota of Princeton, Route 1 South Lawrence. Are you part of the team? Lawn Crafters, give your lawn a little TLC. And the Trenton Farmer's Market, 960 Spruce Street, Lawrence. The area's original and most trusted farmer's market, open all year round. Now let's learn how to thank Mother Nature for her nurture with today's segment of Sustainable You. 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com, live from Clarney's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. I'm one of your hosts, Dean Riddle, and I'm joined by... Jaleesa Malvern. So, to kick things off this week, I'm going to catch us a little bit up to speed with what's been going on lately. So, I'm sure some of you may have known about the whole fire thing happening in California right now. Um, it kind of... It's weird. I, I actually don't even know, really, if this is considered their prime fire season, because... I know California has a fire season, per se. I know they have a time of the year where they do tend to have a lot of fires, and then there's other parts of the year they don't. I don't really know. Um, personally, I think it's a little unusual that it's in the middle of November. I thought usually it was during the summer. It makes sense me to me if it was during the summer, because that's when it gets really dry out there. Really dry, and that's what happens when um, you have fires. It's very dry out in the atmosphere, um, especially in the Midwest. That yeah. They have a very um, high propensity of um, being becoming dry um, with droughts. Um, Texas, Kansas, places like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebraska, places like that. And yeah, it's really, um, it's honestly kind of scary because... The whole climate around them is getting more and more unpredictable each year as the years go along. Like, I know uh, probably about uh, three or four years ago, it mm-hmm. might even be sooner. I might be uh, estimating incorrectly, but there was a huge drought in California. And I know they always have some water issues. They always have, like, water shortages, especially in uh, in the summer, especially. But three or four years ago, it was especially bad. It got to the point where... I know that um, a lot of cities actually recommended for residents to not flush the toilet every time they go to the bathroom because it saves water. And I mean, it makes sense. Sure, it it's gross thinking about that coming yeah. from just because I'm so used to just, you know, flushing the toilet every time I have to use a bathroom. It, it only makes sense to me, but it makes total sense not to have to do that because each flush varies from like four and a half gallons to like eight gallons of water for some like toilets like it's crazy like mm-hmm. i i don't know why some toilets use so much more than others it's just kind of they're just older i guess but it, it's really crazy that some of them use that much but um as i was saying it's kind of scary thinking that the whole climate around them is changing so much they can't even predict like a weather pattern anymore like exactly. i don't think i don't think they could have predicted that not only one fire the the wolseley fire which is the one happening near malibu and all that that affected a lot of like uh like a lot of stars and all that um like kanye west um there's actually yeah, another Jada fire Pinkett, smith and will smith oh yeah yeah well basically yeah basically everyone that lives in la they basically had to evacuate because right now um it's been burning this is the second week it's been burning and it's already uh destroyed i i have the i have the figures right here it's destroyed 435 structures with 57,000 in danger of being destroyed or damaged in some way wow, which is crazy people have to evacuate yeah yeah it's, it's absolutely horrible. insane yeah um 
Now, I don't know if everything... It's just as bad as a, nat- as a hurricane. It's different. It's a lot different than a hurricane. I think what's scarier about fires than hurricanes is that fires can happen anywhere. And from what it sounds like to me, anytime. Because it sounds like fires really can happen during any time of the year. It's just they're more prone to happening at certain times than other times. But look at what's happening now. I'm nearly positive this isn't the prime time for fire season in California. And there's two really bad fires going on. And what really shocked me about what's going on in California is that it's not just that fire going on, too. There's another fire called the Camp Fire, which is in northern California near Sacramento. And that's actually, like, a worse fire. That's actually a worse fire. That has burned already 140,000 acres of land. Wow. And it's it's less contained than the Wolseley Fire is. Um, the Wolsey Fire is uh, 57% contained. This one's only 40%. And there's way more fatalities in this than the, uh, than the Wolsey one. 56 compared to 3. And that's just really sad because it probably was one of those fires that sprung up really uh, quickly. And people didn't really know... Uh, had to react it people probably couldn't evacuate in time because it was such a short notice thing like i know um last year two years ago there was another fire that happened in california where it literally was it literally happened overnight wow. and it took out almost an entire small town because it spread so quickly because the winds were so high and you know what all it takes is just an ember to get loose and set something on fire in a town and then someone doesn't notice and then a whole bunch of houses are on fire it's really and that i i I think that's what makes fire so scary the fact that it can spread so easily and so rapidly like that that's what makes it so scary at least with a hurricane you can kind of prepare for it you can't really prepare structure for it um no i mean you can you can build stronger buildings so you can but you can prepare for that for fires it's so much harder because they're so unpredictable they're unpredictable and um some somewhat like i agree with you like it's more more you could prepare more for it for the hurricane but it could be just as um devastating as a hurricane or worse yeah or it could be um it's just it's kind of this like they um hurricanes can happen at any given moment and it's like just like all with the climate change it's just oh yeah um with the (laughs) wildfires they're just like um that's surprising at this year and same with um the hurricanes they happen and um they get worse and worse and it's like it's something that like i wouldn't think a fire would happen at this year and i was surprised that when i heard when i first heard that it was happening right now in november i was pretty shocked about that because um i thought that i was pretty sure that california they get um cooler weather yeah like in north and like november or december but i know they don't get snow like over here but they're well, still some areas some areas do i i have grandparents that live out in uh in california and although i've never seen snow there there were times where i went in december and it would be just about as cold there as it is out in jersey maybe like 10 degrees warmer but like it's pretty comparable where, where they were at least there are parts of california that do get quite cold oh yeah like probably like north near oregon because i know oregon's pretty cold they actually lived like in the mountains up in the mountains so it makes sense that it was cold out there but up in sacramento uh they live close yeah close sacramento about like half hour away yeah that explains yeah and actually wow that actually made me thought because i do have grandparents out there uh and there is a fire that's kind of close sacramento so i actually i don't really know what's going on right now um 
I'll probably have to give them a call later because yeah. I actually, yeah, and that's the thing. I didn't know about this fire. I did not know about this fire at all. Uh, I knew about the Wolsey fire because um, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a Kanye fan, and uh, he tweeted about it, and that's how I knew about it. I, I actually learned about it through social media, but I haven't heard anything about the second fire near Sacramento, mm-hmm. and I think this is yet just another example of social media, just media in general, not... Uh, not telling the public what's really going on because have you heard about the second fire jaleesa i've never i did not hear about the second fire yeah exactly um, i heard about the first one the wolvesley yeah yeah Wolsey, um yeah. and um not not this new one until like um now yeah very recent and um i feel like like you said they sometimes the natural um disasters are very um undercover like i feel like in areas that are not really inhabited it as much as um major cities yeah exactly um, like and i'm oh, sorry yeah say if you had a hurricane in um hawaii it wouldn't be as much reported probably as um somewhere in florida or like the east coast well hawaii is interesting i i feel like honestly if it was hawaii it probably would get uh reported quite a lot because hawaii is like a big vacation uh state so i feel like in that case it probably would be reported but in most other ways, I totally agree with you. Because, um, you know, L.A. is a huge major city, so of course they're going to report that. That's where a bunch of famous people and a bunch of rich people live in, yeah. in L.A. So it makes sense they would report that. But Sacramento is a pretty relatively normal town. It, I've been to Sacramento before, twice before, and it's uh, it's not a super special town. I mean, it's it's the capital of California, but... That's about it, really. It's not like you have a whole bunch of, uh, of rich people that really live out there. It's just, it's an average, well-developed town. That's all it really is. So, yeah, exactly. I think I think the media kind of, it, it's rather annoying that they pick and choose which ones to report. Because, like I said, I haven't heard anything at all about the campfire uh, near Sacramento at all. Um, that it's made been, it worse. Yeah, and th- that's the thing. It's a worse fire. That that's what's annoying me. The fact that th- this camp, the campfire, is a worse fire than the Wolsey fire. I mean, I literally I have statistics right here. One hundred forty thousand acres burned, only forty percent contained, and fifty six uh, fatalities, and already uh, over ten thousand structures destroyed. That is a lot that's worse. Yeah, that's so much worse than the Wolsey fire. But that's so much worse. Yeah, and we haven't heard anything about it, and. This is, in my opinion, and I know you mentioned it before, <laughs> I'm going to reiterate it. Um, I, I feel like this is uh, another prime example uh, of climate change because the season, if you look back a while ago, um, even if you look back 10 years ago, there were not nearly this many wildfires that would happen, uh, especially in California. I, I know California has, it, the climate has always kind of supported a lot of these wildfires happening because it's a dry type climate out there. I get that. Even during the summer, it's always been relatively dry out there. I- I've been in California in both the summer and the winter before. And I can tell you right now, there's a lot more humidity in the air, actually, in the winter than there is in the summer. The thing with California is that wow. in most areas, it's not even humid. It's just straight hot. It's just straight, pure heat. Almost no humidity. Unless you live right by the ocean, then there might be a lot of humidity. But like, my grandparents, for example, they, like I said, they live in mountains, and it was really hot there in the in the summer. Um, way hotter than I expected, considering they're in the mountains. It would get in the upper 90s in the summer, which is crazy, because if you go to L.A., it can reach up to like 110 or something. And 
that's not even anywhere close to a mountain. So, um, yeah, it's just weird, though, because they're, the climate's totally different out there. But it's crazy seeing how much the climate is really changing out there because the fires are getting so much more frequent and so much more worse. I mean, if you look in the past two or three years, you can see how many fires have been happening and how bad it really is. You can physically see the climate change happening in California. You can see it. You just have to do a little bit of research, but you can see it happening. And these fires with how bad they are is kind of a prime example of it because things never used to be the way things are now. There's so many uh, weather changes that are happening that really, to me, just scream climate change. They just scream it. They just, they're putting it out there that climate change is happening. Um, and it's really crazy to see. And it's kind of sad to see too because things never used to be the way things are now and it's not only it's not it's not only sad to see it from a climate perspective but for the people too because these people are being severely affected i mean they're being displaced from their homes being <laughs> displaced from everything because of what's going on it's really sad to see it is sad to see unfortunately though we are at a time in this segment of sustainable you we'll be right back on 1077 the bronc and 1077 thebronccom whoever said it's not easy being green now let's get back to learning how and reduce reuse and recycle with sustainable you yeah! 1077 the bronc and 1077 the live from Killarney's public house studios this is sustainable you i'm one of your hosts dean riddle and i'm joined by julissa malvern so going kind of in the opposite direction of how we were just talking about uh, the fires in California, literally the, the burning of wood, let's get on a little bit more of a positive topic and talk about the planting of trees and the growth of wood and the growth of plants and all that. So as you know, uh, fires, they kind of, they, they emit a lot of, a lot of gas, a lot of smoke, and that smoke has a lot of carbon dioxide in it. And as I'm sure a lot of you know, because me and Jaleesa talk about it all the time, uh, carbon dioxide is one of the main greenhouse gases which contribute to the heating of the atmosphere, which causes climate change, which is something else we also talk about all the time. Um, and there's a lot of ways that we can help uh, reduce the carbon dioxide and greenhouse gas emissions in the atmosphere. Uh, you know, uh, of course, you could, you could drive less, companies could stop using coal, but I think the best way to help prevent, or I shouldn't say prevent, I think one of the best ways to absorb more carbon dioxide from the atmosphere is to actually plant more trees. And I can actually attest to this. Um, planting trees, it makes you feel really good about yourself. And I know that should, you know, it only makes sense because you're doing a good thing. But no, like I, I planted trees one time and it was, I think it was with like my eighth grade class in middle school or something. It was it was a while ago, but I genuinely loved doing it. It was actually such a great experience, and it was really fun, too. And it's actually not hard. You can go to pretty much um, any—you can go to a lot of parks. I know in New Jersey, there's the Pine Barrens. Um, you could go out there. If you talk to, like, a park ranger or something, they probably have, like, saplings already made that you can volunteer to plant them. And if they don't— you can probably go places. You can probably go to stores or whatever, and you can buy your own saplings, and you can go to parks. You can go to anywhere and plant them, really. Um, we just went to a place in Pine Barrens, and we planted them, and honestly, it was a lot of fun. I felt really good about doing it, and I know I was doing a great thing in the process. And especially if you did it what I, like what I did when I was like when I was young, when I was like in the eighth grade or something, maybe even younger, it kind of gives you that impression that like you're really caring for the environment and like 
doing like a really good thing like making a difference and i think that if that can kind of be promoted to younger generations as it was for me then that could already uh really kind of instill in their minds that sustainability is like a really important thing kind of like the way it was with me um absolutely and i'm just i'm just really talking about this because i want to talk about like in contrast to everything happening in california right now as i mentioned before because there's so many bad things going on in California right now. The whole the whole burning of trees. That's kind of like the destruction of the ecosystem. I want to think of it more as I want to think more positively right now. I want to think of the the regrowth, the rebirth of an ecosystem, and building or uh, growing all these trees would do such a positive thing for the ecosystem that it would it would kind of help uh, restart things and it would really turn over a new leaf uh that's a little bit of a pun there because trees but um yeah. <laughs> yeah it would really turn over a new leaf and it would really do a lot too um uh i'm reading an article right now actually talking about this and it was said that there uh a 50, 156 million acres of land could be reforested and what that would do is that would offset the emissions of 65 million passenger cars if all of those if all of that land was actually reforested and that's crazy thinking about that because i can't even really think about 65 million passenger cars like that's a lot of cars yeah. I, that would i mean yeah sure obviously the u.s has more than 65 million cars there's like a lot of people live in the u.s but i cannot physically actually Think about all those cars lined up in one line and how many how, how much emissions that they're actually producing because that's a lot of emissions right there 65 million cars that's a lot of emissions and the fact that these trees are able to do such a great thing for our environment and for us is insane um and something else that can be done to help uh reduce carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is lengthen the periods of wood harvesting um, and I know that that seems a little bit harder than it really is because mm -hmm. the United States is, as I'm sure a lot of you know, a very industry-based country. Um, we need to do a lot of things on a certain timeline so that we can make our money because if we miss out on something, because there's a whole season with wood too, it, if we miss out on that season of, like, of growth, then we could be out millions of dollars. Those companies could be out millions of dollars. So it's... It's a bit of an issue. It, it definitely is. It, it's more complex than it sounds, but I genuinely think that if they thought smarter with like when to plant or as long as they replant, that's a big thing because a lot of these wood companies, a lot of these lumber companies, they don't replant the trees that they um, that they cut down, especially out of country too. A lot of these companies that go out of country and they cut down trees and oftentimes they just won't even rebuild they won't even replant trees at all like they don't care and yeah. that's really sad because they are cutting down thousands of acres of land just yeah. for their own industry just for their own economic growth and they're not thinking about really how they're affecting the environment around them um and they just need to think more about how they're affecting the how they're affecting the environment and what they can really do um so if they could either increase the gap of time from wood harvest or just replanting trees also that would help immensely i mean and, and like this that's the same thing that we talked about like a couple of weeks ago like um the whole thing about um just like um repopulating the like um the whole 
earth with with um, vegetation and stuff like trees and everything that would like contribute it back to the environment and basically um like we said that um the co2 in the atmosphere um contributes to global warming and like climate change and it's like you're putting like a, a aluminum um, foil over the earth and it's letting back in that um that the, um trapping that in the um, atmosphere and yeah basically when you when you're um put put more trees that allows more um oxygen and um um me we and um in the um in like um in plants like we're, we're we kind of are codependent with each other and um basically um that's kind of like a relationship yeah and you know what it you know how you bring up the whole uh aluminum foil analogy that i know you brought up recently mm-hmm. that's kind of exactly what it is and mm-hmm. that's why a lot of these weather conditions are getting so much worse and i know i drill that and i i know i say that Pretty much every week. I know at this point I say that pretty much every week that I'm on here because it's just one of those things that I feel is really important that people know that greenhouse gas emissions are so bad. And basically, um, don't get me wrong, green greenhouse gases are actually very important. They're actually very important for our atmosphere because they actually keep in, they trap in a lot of the heat that we need so that we can stay warm. And that's super important because without any of them, our planet that we love and know very well would be a huge ball of ice. It'd be a huge snowball um, because that traps in the heat. And we kind of need that to trap in heat so that we can survive. But too much of it, it'll cause what's going on right now in California. Um, There's no doubt in my mind that the fires in California largely have to do with the addition of more greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. It's trapping in more heat. It's making it a lot easier for these fires to start because it's making the environment a more uh, a more volatile area, a more volatile or more volatile conditions. So it it's almost like uh, like explosive almost. It's like it's like it just takes one little thing and then a huge thing starts as a reaction of it. Um, and yeah, it even mentions in this article that with that many more growth of trees, I think what I say, 156 million acres being reforested actually 42 million acres of that land would benefit from like lower fire uh like lower risk of fire because it would produce it would kind of produce a barrier from uh from wind and all that so it would protect other trees and although it sounds silly that having more trees would actually reduce fire risk it makes sense because it keeps these areas constantly having more uh more water in the atmosphere because Plants respire. They they do respire. They when they go through photosynthesis, one of the byproducts they let out is water. It's one of the main byproducts they let out. So it's making their uh, it's making the air a lot more humid. And humid humidity is actually important. I know I was mentioning before how in California it's not very humid at all. That's one of the main problems out there. The fact that there's no humidity, um, and that's because there are areas in California where there are just like no trees at all. There's just nothing out there. And I'm not saying that trees are the only reason that these fire or lack of trees i should say are the only reason these fires are happening but it's part of it and having more trees to really help mitigate this huge issue going on in california right now and not to mention it makes the atmosphere cleaner too it adds more oxygen to the atmosphere it pulls out the co2 in the atmosphere and it adds more oxygen in so it would really help fix a lot of these areas that are kind of suffering from poor air quality 
uh, and it would really do a great thing. So there are lots of things that can be done to help reduce CO2 emission. Um, do you have anything to add, Julissa? Um, um, really, um, not not much. Like I would just say, just like the vegetation's a way to reduce CO two and just cut down on um, your personal use of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's pretty much just do whatever you can to cut down CO two use. And if you guys want to, then go out to like a local park or something, like a local national park, and see if they have like plants or anything to do that you can help restore that ecosystem that environment out there because anything small you do makes a huge impact and i guarantee you you will feel great about yourself doing it i know i did when i was young and you know what i feel bad i've actually never done another tree planting since then i actually really want to because it's a lot of fun so if you have the opportunity to i really highly recommend it you'll have a great time you'll feel really good about yourself but unfortunately, we are at a time in this segment of Sustainable U, but we'll be right back after a few short underwriting announcements on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Whoever said it's not easy being green? Now let's get back to learning how and reduce, reuse, and recycle with Sustainable U. Yeah! 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com live at Carney's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable U. I'm one of your hosts, Jaleesa Malvern, and I'm joined by Dean Riddle. So for the third segment of our um, show, we'll be talking about um, the garbage patch. Um, it's basically um, where all of our trash goes, like kind of it's like a landfill. And this landfill is in the ocean. It's basically um, the North Pacific Gyre located in the ocean. There's about, um, I think, five or six or seven gyres, main yeah. gyres. And they're all spread around all the oceans, Pacific, Atlantic, Indian Ocean, all, all over the seas and stuff and this um north pacific gyre is where what most of the trash we use um gets um dumped and um basically the gyre is um like it's kind of like a rotated rotation of um the sea it's almost like uh i, I don't really want to say it's like a whirlpool but if you're thinking about it on a huge massive scale it's like it's like a whirlpool. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like a whirlpool where it goes in kind of a circular motion, but it's like a really big circle too. It like it's huge, um, and it takes in a lot of the plastics that we put that a lot of people just dump in the ocean, and that's why littering is so bad. Cause think about it, it's all got to go somewhere. So the plastic that you litter is either one going to get trapped in woods and affect the growth of uh, species or plants, or two. It's going to go in the ocean and affect uh, species or the water. So either way, littering is really bad. And that's why it's always been said since we were kids not to litter. Mm -hmm. And basically for like for with the gyre, the um, since the dump, the trash gets dumped there the the trash um like mixes with the oil like say these um the plastic like i don't know if you've seen the plastic type um wrap on the um on the bottles on on um soda can bottles i forget a like the rings you're talking about like the, the little ring rings it's called oh, um, yeah those are terrible bur burkles or something nerticles or something oh i didn't even know they had and, a name and and basically stuff like that um will mix with the oil that that's um that's um carried in there and um it um emits this toxic type of um 
chemical that is really bad for the um wildlife in the um sea and that 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 and the the the, um, marine life in the sea they are um affected by that and that um causes them to be um sickly because of that and and basically we're ingesting all of these fish which is um um all the climate um, that the um all the um the, the food chain and it's very bad See, the biggest issue about the Great Ocean Garbage Patch is, number one, the size of it. It is, at this point in time, approximately three times the size of France, which is just about the size of the United States, actually. And it's really, really hard for me to get my mind wrapped around that, that there is a huge mass that is literally the size of the United States that is just floating in the middle of the ocean. That's horrible. That is absolutely horrific. That's bad. Yeah, that is horrific to think of, that we have done so much damage that there's basically a huge landmass just made out of plastic. Granted, I mean, it's not like you can physically live on it. It's all floating. But, I mean, if if you are looking at it from an aerial view, if you're looking at a satellite picture of it, it literally just looks like a huge landmass of plastic. And not only, and, and since it's a, such a huge mass, it's, this stuff has acquired over um, many decades. And yeah. basically, the guy who, um, who um, was, um, um, who um, put, posted this video, he basically said that this um, would take many years to clean up. He said just one percent of it would take so long to yeah. clean it yeah. up. That that those um, that that um litter that's dumped into the ocean that can um i heard that it could um surpass the whole earth like one um rotation around oh like i don't, it, it I don't runs doubt ar- it it runs around all that trash could um be just scattered around the earth um the whole um circumference of the earth yeah i mean i believe it because the united states is a pretty big country and if it's actually true, which I'm nearly positive it is, that uh, that it's about the size of the United States, then it makes perfect sense that it could definitely wrap around the entire circumference of the Earth. Um, but I think the biggest issue with it is not just the fact that it's so big, but the fact that, like Jaleesa said, there's plastic in there that's probably from the 70s and the 80s. There's probably stuff in there from... 30 years ago or older 34 40 yeah. <laughs> 50 back when plastic was becoming a new thing i mean that's crazy and th- that's back when plastic was like look and i'm not going to say plastic is sustainable in any way because it's not but that's back when plastic was being made in a way that was really not sustainable it was extra produce it was really thick it had chemicals like extra chemicals mixed in with it and guess what all that stuff is going into the ocean because the way that plastic works is it's an oil-based product it's a petroleum-based product um so when the sun when it gets heated up actually parts of that get broken down and i watched a documentary on this i think it was called uh, a plastic ocean i saw this in the winter of of last of last year and it was really great film by the way i would highly recommend watching it um they talked about it and when a lot of heat hits this plastic it breaks down into what they call microplastics and it kind of creates a really really gross looking film on the top of the water but it's not just on the top of the water where it goes it goes it goes it spreads all throughout the water and at that point when that microplastic is produced it's nearly impossible to fully uh 
to fully clean up that area that because it's basically turned into an oil but that oil is literally all plastic it's literally a plastic oil and it's just spreading throughout the entire that area and because it's so big that water there is so toxic and it's affecting all the wildlife there so badly that it's giving some of these fish um like cancer it's giving some of these fish abnormal growths birth defects if they have their own uh offspring yeah. it's really bad it's really bad and it's a lot bad of these, for us too yeah it is bad for us because these fish they migrate a lot a lot of fish migrate so if they go through this area with all this this microplastic in the water then there's going to be humans that are eventually going to inevitably catch some of these fish they're going to eat that fish and then it's the whole principle of uh biomagnification which is a big word um it's the whole thing that happened with uh the ddt and the ospreys um back in the in the 70s or around that time era that time period um the way it worked is there'd be a little bit of ddt and a fish would have something of ddt and then a bigger fish would have that that magnifies the concentration by about 10 times and then the the osprey would eat that big fish with the ddt in it then it gets multiplied again by 10 times so it just it gets magnified more and more with the bigger organism that eats it so then at that point the the um the osprey had a magnification it had a hundred times the concentration of ddt than the original small fish did and it'd be the same principle here because guess what it's probably gonna be a small fish consuming some of that microplastic breathing it in gonna be a bigger fish eating that small fish it's gonna be humans eating that big fish so it's the same yeah. exact thing here we're gonna have probably about 100 times magnification or concentration of that original microplastic and it's going to cause so many problems for us yeah. i mean that's why they say don't burn plastic because plastic believe it or not actually is a very flammable material um very flammable yeah i have seen i saw another documentary i actually don't remember the name of it honestly but um there was there was a village that was burning plastic because that was the best thing they could use to start a fire but that like a lot of those people there they had like a lot of breathing problems their eyes would burn whenever they breathe it it's really bad it, it's really bad um i guess where i'm going with this is um plastic is so toxic and has so many bad properties to it and the fact that this whole this whole landmass, basically, of plastic, the fact that it's getting so much worse is really terrifying because it's not only affecting the species in the water, it's not only just affecting the water itself, but it's affecting us, too. Yeah, it is. Because we are inevitably, there are going to be people that inevitably eat some of those fish, and it's going to affect them really badly. And everything we, um, we, um use basically is made out of plastic and that's um that's something even like say if you have an appliance that's made out of plastic um say if your um coffee maker was made out of plastic and it broke where would you would you throw it out in a sustainable fashion yeah and i mean that's one of the issues i with a lot of the things that we have today you know obviously you can easily recycle uh, uh a bottle of soda a you, bottle yeah. yeah you can easily recycle that but there's so many other things that we don't really know how to recycle it because there's so many c components to it coffee maker that's a perfect example perfect perfect example because on a lot of like keurig machines for example the, the external of it's plastic 
but the internal of it is all metal or electronics and all that so it's like what do you do with that i i feel like these companies they need to make it like more clear they need to like direct you to services that make it so that you can easily recycle things and same with the phone too like, yeah um people just throw out their electronics and don't know what to do and there's this cool system you probably heard of it um it's called um the eco atm they're found in malls or walmarts and they basically recycle your phones or electronics and you can get money uh, off of them depending on how much it's worth but um it's a very sustainable way to s recycle your um, phones and stuff if you don't want want it to end up in a landfill because they said most phones do yeah yeah which is bad i know it's it is really sad um i guess yeah i guess just to wrap things up people do what you can to really help reduce use of plastic i mean i would even go out there and say I would use glass and aluminum cans before I would use plastic, honestly. And I'm not even, I'm not condoning that. If you have reusable bottles, use that because that's the best way to go. Um, but unfortunately, we are at a time in this segment of Sustainable You. We'll be right back only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Whoever said it's not easy being green? Now let's get back to learning how and reduce, reuse, and recycle with Sustainable You. Yeah! 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com live at Kalarni's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. I'm one of your host, Julissa Malvern, and I'm joined by Dean Riddle. So for this fourth and final last topic, we'll be talking about um, sustainable food. Basically, there's a way to eat sustainably and not um, harm the environment. And basically, in this video from Vox, um, there was a guy who was explaining that um, if you cut down on your consumption of red meat, and go for a more Mediterranean um, diet, um, you will um, conserve um, the, the earth. You will preserve it because um, basically when you eat red meat, you emit more carbon dioxide because they said um, it um, basically cows and lamb, they um, emit more methane because because mm -hmm. um, yep. uh, um, it's just their bodies, I think, because they're naturally like more produce more gas. And um, basically, um, also the mass production of it in the factories, that also was not sustainable. And also, um, just they said chicken and fish are more sustainable in um, lentils and um, all types of vegetables, fruits. Those are um, more sustainable to eat. And you know what? That I, I That's one of the reasons I tend to never eat red meat. Um, I used to be a big meat person, and I like... I'm not gonna say I'm not still, cause like I still I eat chicken, but I mostly eat chicken now. That's mostly the only meat I will eat now because me too. Now that I know, and I've known about it for for a couple years now, but now that I know about like how bad uh, red meats are for the environment, I tend to stay away from red meat anyway. And not to mention, I, personally, I just think chicken is so much better than than uh than any red meat. Uh, I'm not yeah. a big I'm not a big steak person. Um, I never have been. I've always loved chicken. Um. And fish too. Fish is really great. I think one of the one of the problems with fish, and one of the reasons that fish sometimes gets a bad rap, is because it's really hard to sustainably farm fish. Um, mm -hmm. I think a very a while ago, um, I think on my own personal Facebook, I posted something about they're coming up with a new technology for a new fish farm where it's like way open range, and wow. while the fish are still contained in a way. They can actually move around. They can actually swim. They have so much free area to swim around in. And it actually would end up probably creating fish that ta like taste better too because there's like a whole study about like 
when when you put um animals under like less stress better conditions to grow when you like when you actually like finally harvest that and you you were to eat that meat from that animal that's harvested it actually ends up tasting better because something about there's a better chemical balance in their system because they're not so stressed so that's probably what it would result in um but getting back to the whole thing about uh chicken and fish being more sustainable the main reason that that is is not only the methane that's produced because there is so much methane produced from from cows cows eat yeah. a massive amount of methane they're actually one of the leading reasons why uh there's so much methane in the atmosphere now it's literally because of cows um yeah it's because of cows um but it's not only that um it's because to raise a cow for example so much water needs to go into it because think about it cows eat pretty much all plant-based materials and those plants all require water to be used to to grow Mm -hmm. um and they require so much of it too that so much water is going into this cow that i don't remember the exact uh number but i think it was something like if you stopped eating red meat for like a month or something that would save that would you would save enough water to equal a shower for an entire year wow yeah so like that's how much water really goes into uh a cow like raising a cow that's how much water it is and i don't remember the exact number of gallons of water on like per average but it's a lot i can tell you right now it is a lot of water that goes into a cow and probably other probably other animals too like pigs for pork uh other stuff like that they require a lot um and that's one of the reasons why chickens are great because if you think about it chickens have they're great i mean they have a really good like return actually because you can pretty much use any part of a chicken and you can literally use the entirety of a fish in every way you can do so much with fish I i think fish are one of the best options if you want to have a more sustainable diet because you can eat every single part of the fish um maybe excluding the head but i even know some cultures actually do eat the head of a fish so yeah you know what i mean if and i think it's great i think it's actually using every part they can and that's the most sustainable it can be and i think that's really great not only is, is it sustainable but it's better for you to eat more of a mediterranean diet because um consumption of a lot of um beef is um not good for your digestive True. system and just your body overall um because it's a very um fatty type meat and it mm-hmm. raises your cholesterol and everything and we've known that um over the past 30 v- 30 years um and i um on on the report they said um actually more people are listening to their doctors about red meat there's less red meat consumption um from the year 1980 to 2018 they said it's dropped in about like 19 percent, which is pretty good that's really good and um that that is something how like it's a correlation with your health and sustainability so like if you're trying to um become more sustainable um um eating less red meat um would be um one of the ways to go yeah and not only um is red meat like really fatty and it would raise your cholesterol and fat content in your body too but there have been a lot of studies that have been done that um Eating a lot of red meat is actually linked to uh, cancer, actually. It's, yeah. it's very much mm-hmm. pork, yeah. too. Yep. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's another kind of red meat. But I think just most red meats in general, maybe there's a few exceptions out there, like um, maybe like venison or something. I know, I know. Actually, or lamb. Yeah, uh, some they're better. There are some uh, really lean red meats out there. I'm not trying to say there's not, but like you know, the main ones like pork and and beef. There's the main ones, and they've been highly linked to cancer. Um, like and on the other hand, um, fish and and chicken. Not so much. They're a lot better options. They're a lot healthier for you. So they are not much healthier. Yeah. Not only are these options um, actually healthier for you, it's a lot better for the environment too because there's so much less that goes into it. Uh, chicken and fish have a much lower carbon footprint. So you're really doing a favor for yourself and you're doing a favor for the environment too if you choose these options for or food. Or turkey. That yeah, true. They're they're all they're ah, they're all so related anyway. Got me thinking <laughs> about Thanksgiving too, by the way. Turkey, eat your turkey. Yeah, and make sure don't waste so much for Thanksgiving too. I I'm just throwing that out there. That's a little ending note because we are about to end this, but don't waste so much food. Only eat however much that you think you're going to eat. And if you're making the food, don't make so much food that you know no one's going to eat. And if you do, make sure you save it and eat it later. That is my final note. Unfortunately, we are at a time on this seg- uh, on this episode of Sustainable You, but we'll be back next week only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. You just heard the best tips on how to be sustainable, so go ahead and spread the gospel of green. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Sustainable You, Saturdays at 9 a.m. on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. If you want to listen to any replay editions, go to 1077thebronc.com and click on the Sustainable You tab on the homepage. You can even subscribe to our podcast. Just simply search Sustainable You on iTunes. Sustainable You is underwritten in part by... Terhune Orchards, 330 Cold Soil Road, Lawrence. 200 acres of locally grown Jersey fresh fruits and vegetables with country-style service. Rider University, Office of Sustainable Management and Bronx Go Green. Team Toyota of Princeton, Route 1 South Lawrence. Are you part of the team? Lawn Crafters, give your lawn a little TLC. And the Trenton Farmer's Market, 960 Spruce Street, Lawrence. The area's original and most trusted farmer's market, open all year round. Join us again for next week's edition of Sustainable You on Saturday at 9 a.m. And be one step closer to saving the earth without a carbon footprint left behind only on 1077 the bronx